Hello world, I'm your host Max Patton, and this is Dreaming Polygons, the podcast where we explore the games industry and where it's headed by interviewing the voices and perspectives shaping its future, one polygon at a time. For today's episode, we're going to look at the trend of streaming games on sites like Twitch and Mixer. And to do that, our guest is Wild, who has over 200,000 followers on Twitch and is a full-time streamer there. Let's talk about streaming, the good, the bad, what it's like doing as a job, and its effect on video game culture. Hey everyone, I am with Wild. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hey, let's start how we always do. What got you started? And specifically uh, for you, since you're a streamer, when did you decide that you wanted to stream yourself playing games? When did you realize that was a uh, viable business? It definitely was not at first. I started streaming simply to get the attention of somebody else who was streaming. And that was the only way to contact them because they were on the other side of the world. So that introduced me to what streaming was. And whilst I was there, I was largely convinced by their audience to do it myself, to show off what I was doing in regards to you know creating games. That was difficult because I live in Australia and our bandwidth is terrible, but we got past that. And that started this whole exploration of this new world that was just literally opening up before us. Us that were there in the beginning, I'd say like the first three years or so, four years, in a lot of ways, we are just surfing this beginning wave, and it's brand new. We don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah, and this was uh, when, like 2011? Yeah, around 2011. Um, I got partnered at 2013, just earlier than that, actually, in about January. But I was doing it beforehand, of course. But just watching this technology rise and grow from what was meant to be, you know, this little corner part of the internet into a, a mainstream audience now is just incredible. For sure. And for those who don't know, you mentioned being partnered. You obviously stream on Twitch, which is one of the biggest sites for this. What does being partnered with them mean? It's changed a little bit over the years, but it was initially, um, it was, well, not initially, it still is envisioned that if you become partnered, you, then you are working with Twitch. So people can subscribe to you for a monetary value. You receive a percentage of that yourself. A part also goes to Twitch for their overhead. Um, so it becomes a financial deal um, as such. And there are many people that have looked to be getting involved more to a you know, professional level where streaming is their career. Some people, uh, a large majority of people, just use it as a you know a way of making money and having some fun at the same time. There's many ways you can take it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't mean there's a commitment between yourself and Twitch. And for you, what was the point where it became more of a commitment, more of a professional activity? I was in between IT contracts, <laughs> uh, senior IT contracts. I just finished doing a contract with the police force. No, no, that was the second last contract. Uh, one with an open source e-learning system uh, doing support around the world. I was taking a break in between that, stumbled into this. And I was looking literally for my next contract, but it wasn't until I got partnered for, you know, the bit of fun that turned into a bit of money. And all of a sudden I was looking at that figures and my project manager brain said, that's actually real figures. I should take attention to this. So we sat down, figured out, you know, we'll give it about three months and give us some real data to work with to see whether or not that's actually a viable living. And it actually exceeded that quite a bit in my instance. So we decided, you know, we'll keep going with it. And after about about a year, it's a lot of work, 
I was at that point making more then than when I was actually working in IT. And do you think your background, you know, in IT being a technically knowledgeable person, and obviously you had a passion for games as well, do you think that helped you get into streaming? I think it did in many ways. I think that definitely is a barrier for many people that want to come in and start streaming. You definitely don't have to go though to the level that I did. I'm very much a case of if I can see a problem, find a solution to it in an IT framework. So I was able to apply things I've learned over you know decades in careers to up to, to my actual instance. A lot of people don't have that. So you've got a lot of services now out there that are providing a lot better and easier services uh, that you can use. Um, I mean, the open source software is there and then OBS, XSplit has been around for ages. But now you've got things like Streamlabs, which is a streamer alert service. So when someone subscribes, an alert comes up. They've got their own version of OBS now. So that's just one application you can run. You can see your chat. You can see your stream. You can stream. You can do all your alerts. Everything's all in one application. So as time's going on, it's becoming easier and easier to do it. And that's just from the PC, let alone Xbox and PS4. Now that's a part of its norm. Yeah, and that's a growing thing because there's professional streamers like yourself who have been doing this for a while and, you know, who have invested in gear and basically have like broadcast style studios. And there's the people getting started or doing it more casually who are just kind of, you know, doing it off their laptop or console. What do you think of the rise of normal everyday people streaming? Um, I, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I encourage everybody to do it. We've all had that moment when we've been playing a game and we've just wanted to go to a friend and go, you know, watch this. This is going to be amazing. That hold my beer moment. I think streaming allows us to, to share that as a concept, to, to share it as, as that moment, just not even with those individual moments, but to be in a state where you're sharing. And that really does change the way people play the game. Um, I, I think it's a really good thing in that regard. It doesn't have to be a big professional thing. It can be just sharing it with friends. And what do you think separates it from YouTube? Because streaming has kind of overtaken Let's Plays in recent years as the dominant form of gaming entertainment, right? But many people still don't really understand it, why people would watch someone play games live. What specifically, compared to, you know, a VOD where you have a video that's already uploaded, about live streaming a game is so special. Watching a game live is, I, I suppose the best example I can get easily would be the difference between listening to a studio album and going to a concert. It's a, a different vibe. There's a different sense to it. With a YouTube video, you're going to get something that is, it's polished to what it has to be. It's made to be a certain thing. So it could be cut fast, it could be fast speaking, it could be, you know, it's designed to keep the attention. There is a certain format and formula that works very well and is very successful. It's different when you're doing it live because <laughs> you just got to roll with it. If you make a mistake, that's yours. You have to own it because everybody else will. And that's a part of the joy of it. That moment when you make that amazing leap that's that's the moment doesn't matter how polished you are that live interaction is something that all of us uh, can grasp yeah i mean games are inherently a social experience and i guess streaming extends that to your personality because it's not really just you voicing over a game there's the chat right there's the that's scrolling by in real time you're interacting with it you're talking to people as you play the game 
Oh, in many, many times the game will change. People will say something, you know, or, or dare me to do something and I'll, you know, I'll be, oh yeah, I can do that. Screw you. you know, and then we'll go off and do it. So it really does change the way the game is played out. And it's not just changing audiences. It's also changing games because we've seen uh, in the last year, especially, and this year it looks to be the same, Battlegrounds, right? That was a huge game last year and especially a huge game for streaming. And Sea of Thieves, which is coming out this year, and other games like that that are almost marketed to streamers, right? Uh, in, in the social experience they're selling. What do you think of that? I think, if anything, we streamers are getting the, the good end of the deal because what's really happening is it's not about us although it can definitely be seen about us it's really a case of if anything we are the example of everybody else if there's four streamers for example getting together to play sea of thieves it's ridiculous fun it's it's fantastic and it should be shared because it is magnificent fun because of that moment and that experience it's not about what the game really is it's about how you interact with your friends in that game and that becomes its own game its own additional layer that a game designer simply can't incorporate. Otherwise, they'd have NPCs doing it. So you've got this new layer of interaction. This also works with just a couple of mates sitting on a couch. And I think that really is the biggest direction they want to go in. I think the benefit they get as, as a game design concept um, and designers within that is that it's literally a case of streaming is the example of what you could be doing with your friends. And you can go and do that right now. And that's a big puller. And that kind of gets into streaming as a form of advertising for games, because it's a controversial thing for some publishers like Nintendo, or I think Atlas with Persona 5 recently, that have been hesitant to allow people to stream in some cases for fear of spoilers, or ruining the experience or whatever, whatever reason. Would you say that streaming is kind of advertising for the game, though, in many cases? Oh, in every case. It's uh, no matter what. It, it can be any game whatsoever. Simply seeing somebody's opinion of, a, of something is a form of, of marketing that, that is valuable and is vital. So you can have your friends. They can give you opinions. You can go and you know, look on Reddit. You can go and search the internet. And you've got people who are playing in the game. So you can choose your own opinion and get some thoughts about looking at it yourself. And that's a big thing because a lot of games ultimately are designed to pull you in with what, they, what their art design is, what their, their flow and theme is with their music. So simply by getting you to the point of having actual content in front of you is a big thing. A lot of companies would pay huge money on that. And you can see examples of that with how much it costs to advertise on the side of a bus. That is there as a concept. In a lot of ways, a lot of them are getting it for free um, <laughs> because it is packaged up as entertainment. And I'm, I'm thinking that's fantastic because it's, a, it's honest. Yeah, it's a different kind of interaction and engagement with the game from what we had before with the you know, video on demand or YouTube-like services. And recently, you know, YouTube has been quite controversial, not just necessarily in gaming, but in general as a platform between you know, the things that popular YouTubers are doing, they, they've been gaining a lot of mainstream controversy, right? Just in terms of breaking rules, basically, and being not exactly uh, model citizens. In the wake of all that, and the threats YouTube faces as a, pla as a platform, both with advertisers and with uh, appealing to gamers, do you think that Twitch or Mixer, uh, these live streaming sites, have a serious chance of overtaking it completely? 
I think ultimately, um, no, is the short answer, no. Um, I think it's because they ultimately are, they have very different audiences in a very different product. Twitch is getting close to, the, to that because, of course, it's now got its recorded video, but it doesn't have the same feature set yet. And on the flip side, of course, you've got YouTube going into streaming. And whilst that's worked with many individuals, it hasn't really moved, uh, moved on as a movement, as a thing unto itself as much. So I think they're both trying to do what each other can do. But at the moment, I dare say, and I, I would say for a good deal of time, well, in IT, you know, that's like a year and a half. <laughs> I really do think they're going to be embedded for a long time. I think any real change will happen quickly. If it's, you know, a big, nasty, huge, earth-shattering change, it'll happen probably quite quickly. But we'll be seeing those currents for a long time before it really happens. And I don't think we're at that point yet. Um, I don't think either service really is set to replace the other at this point. And when it comes to specifically just, you know, the new streaming services, Twitch and Mixer, what do you think of that? Which, I mean, they're both owned by now Amazon and Microsoft, which are mm. tech companies, which kind of makes this interesting. How do you think that's going to play out in the near future? Each are going in their own way. And I, in some ways, wish they'd like get back together again because <laughs> Mix has got some great features that I'd love to see on Twitch. I know they're working hard to do that. Twitch have got some great things too that would be great on Mixer. I, I think they're both growing quite well. I, I know Mixer wants to get a lot larger. I, I don't know. At this stage, I think it is too early to see, to see any real change that's there. I really don't think there's going to be much coming up. So do you think it's going to mainly be that Twitch is kind of the main dominant site in Mixer is where these new experimental features like more interactive live streaming are going to be for now? I think in the short term only, the idea that Twitch isn't going to be bringing something fast to the table, I think that's crazy talk. <laughs> I really do think that uh, they well. I know there is a lot of work going on behind the scenes and that. How far they've got, I don't know. But they definitely do have that as uh, being aware of that and they definitely want to get on top of that speed and latency issue. Uh, but one of the things I've been seeing with Mixer, um, and I think it's doing it because they can move faster as a smaller organisation, is to be able to put down, like, recently they, uh, there was a big thing on Twitter about the fact that Mixer are really pushing their anti-discrimination that becomes a thing with bands, of course, and, and making spaces available for people. That has been a difficulty to some level over on, on Twitch. I think those sorts of issues are, are more in people's minds now than, than replacing you know, a tech giant. I mean, the, the whole, for people who don't know, one of Mixer's things is that it has a lower delay and a lower latency at a technical level. That's one of the advantages. It's more interactive. The chats can be more alive. But what you just mentioned is really interesting and kind of leads into my next question with the controversy that's surrounding streaming, particularly on Twitch. Because you do have issues like journalists writing articles about people refunding games on a stream, uh, which mm. makes the game obviously look really bad, or even abusing developers. And of course, it goes the other way with viewers who are particularly toxic in some cases calling in fake SWAT attacks on a streamer's real life address yes, or other types of trolling. Why do you think there's a lot of vitriol and abuse that takes place in that way? I think it all comes down to enabling. We've enabled that action to occur. And that's just what happened. People just find it a laugh. It's, 
I guess the same way that people can find it a laugh if they watch somebody fall over. You know, in some cases, that can be, you know, there, there are entire, some languages have a word specifically for that. You know, someone's pain is, is amusing. I think it's just that as human nature, there are things that we still have to catch up with. There are some people really that haven't caught on to, you know, doing some things are bad in inverted commas. And you can go to an extreme case and say it's sociopath or whatever, but that's, well, one, I think it's distracting um, because it happens to everybody to some degree, but I think it's also just a case of growing up. We've done similar things in different eras in different ways, and this is just the way it's being expressed now. The key is to educate, to stamp it out, to say no more, I'm not, I won't accept that, that's bad. And that's become a difficult thing to do online because you can have multiple identities, you can bypass many restrictions, and people also find enjoyment simply in doing that. So it's about building a place that really is not just words, not just, you know, lip service. It's about saying, no, really, that's enough. And actually being able to enforce that and back that. And that's something that more and more people are moving towards. We've seen it with things with YouTube, how people have been outraged, how they've, that always happens. But people now saying, no, that's enough and standing up to it. And that's happening more and more of late. And I'm, I'm actually quite excited about it. I think this over the next few years probably will be one of the biggest things and of influences that we can see in making a space better for people rather than technology itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of this is, it's either younger viewers or it's viewers who, in, like you mentioned, are just don't understand boundaries, right? Or don't understand what's okay. And that's what's a good not way okay. of putting it. And yeah, uh, that's a delicate way of putting it. And online, <laughs> it, that, that's amplified, right? Because they have the ability to do some pretty terrible things to people. So do you think it's a matter of more aggressive banning techniques at a technical level? Do you think it's a level of fostering better communities? What kind of solution does this problem require? Um, the solution is time. And we, we often think about it as a solution being, oh, if we just do this thing, and I that's never been the case. It's always been time. We do need time so that the idea of being online isn't, doesn't feel as different as being down the street. So that, that awareness, we, we're very much aware, um, our generations or few, because a little while ago, we weren't online. So we, we, we're still getting used to it. When it becomes a norm, an absolute norm, and it's not, I think things will get better then. But I think it's also about time because these changes, I said, aren't technological. These are about us and how we use this technology. And I think our societies aren't getting better at it. It just takes that time. And that's a difficult thing. But ultimately, all change does take time, especially real change. Yeah, and I guess it has to happen at a systemic level. In addition to, you know, I mean, you can ban people all day, but at the at the end of the day, they're still going to find ways to get around that. And Absolutely. it's ultimately a matter of re-educating people and slowly but surely, I think, building a better internet population, I guess. It, it does come down to just a, a, a better society as opposed to like an internet. We're not different on the internet than we are in society. And that's just the thing we have to try and say. We're not a different online society. I think that's a key thing. 
I'm not sure how far we're going to get with it. <laughs> yeah. But I think we have to start treating online life just like normal life because it is still in normal life. And I want to end on a good note for streaming because there are positive aspects of game streaming and video games in general that people don't see in the wake of, you know, all this abuse and stuff making big media stories online. What do you think some of those positive aspects are? From time to time, I get uh, uh, sad, I guess. I get angry. I get annoyed that, I, that I'm a streamer because it feels like I'm doing my show for other people and not for me. And that's a, a weird feeling. But that's not right. That's just because it, it, that's the first sign of it becoming a grind. That's like any job. Um, and, and one of the things that I found behind that, I guess, is looking at those moments, you know, that are big or, you know, and they could be big highs or big lows, but then you can look at the middle stuff, the stuff that just happens all the time. There's a lot more of that. And a lot of that is really good. Just communication, uh, information being shared, community being made, and they can have their, their low points, but largely their low points are about normal. You know, they're about norm levels. Generally speaking, the communities that I found online are vibrant good, healthy, very amazing things to the point where I've seen in my own instance, probably at least 10 people who are still on this planet and breathing because we had a community that was there for them at that right time. And when I see these stories from these people that, that have been in that moment, I'm, I'm just, it awes me. If, if there's nothing else I ever get out of streaming ever, just the fact that there was a group of people together that managed to save someone's life. And now the whole world around that person continues to change because of the changes they've gone through and are now doing in the world. That's the best thing. There's a lot of positive direct change. And there's also indirect movements like summer games done quick and the countless other, you know, charity streams and oh, incredible stories there. Yes. Things that raise awareness. Yeah. And, and not even just from a financial point of view, just from an educational point of view. It's just simply amazing. Using Twitch as a revenue, for example, to look at art, to teach art, to show even arts that are um, dying out. Like, say, for example, there are people doing chainmail work and showing how to make chainmail. It's just now there's a place for all this information that is ultimately interesting to someone. And to have it live and to have, if you've got a question about that, to not just hope to find an answer out of Google, but to go to the person directly and say, hey, what do you think of this? And actually get an answer back. That, that's powerful. Yeah, to be able to engage on that level. It's kind of interesting because it's the opposite of the YouTube model, where YouTube started out as a very broad service and it still is for the most part but it grew these sub communities of which gaming was one of the largest mm. whereas twitch started out as a gaming platform i mean i guess it did start out as justin tv but yeah that's even more complicated so it, <laughs> let's, let's just say it started out as a gaming platform right and then it extended into more real world stuff that it's doing now under twitch irl and now people are doing all sorts of things on twitch that aren't even related anywhere closely to gaming it's because it's a platform and to a large degree, they've said they want to go back to their JTV roots, but they want to do it right and differently to what they were. And they couldn't really continue. They thought 
what JTV was in the way they wanted to re-envision themselves with Twitch. So it was very much a, a hard shift. And once they got that nailed right and working correctly, then it was like, well, what else can we do? So we saw things like, of course, cooking and that coming up first. But, you know, with IRL, that just opened everything. So I think to a large degree, the, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time in IRL, but I normally visit specific people I already know. But to the large degree of the people that I know of, it's incredible content and it's so varied. And it can be as something as simple as, you know, I'm going to sit down and have a coffee and just chat with you. Or it could be as something as extreme as, and now we're going to go out into the wilderness and we're hunting for this type of herb that's very rare. And I'm like, I don't even know how you're doing this. But this is amazing. So, yeah, it can be nearly anything. And it really is a case of entertainment is in the eyes of the person that wants to be entertained. So a lot of people find these sorts of things to be incredible, where it's no longer mundane, it's shared content. The genius of Twitch is it's kind of turned the passion and excitement people have around games into passion and excitement for a lot of other things. Yeah, very much, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on our show. And if people want to find out about you, you know, watch your streams, where can they do that? W-Y-L-D. So wild over on Twitch. Um, same again on Twitter. Same again on Instagram. Cool. Thank you again for coming on. And everyone, thank you for listening. This has been, surprisingly enough, a reasonably length episode. We haven't had a lot of those. We had a really long episode and a really short episode recently. So glad we had one of these. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again, Wild, for coming on. Not a worries. Great to be here, man. Yeah, thanks. And see you next time. Goodbye. Ciao. That's it for now. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, feel free to rate us on Apple Podcasts or leave a like on YouTube. You can subscribe to us in basically every podcast app and, of course, on YouTube as well. And there's Twitter, which is at PolygonsFM, which you'll want to follow to stay updated on new episodes of the show. Everything will be linked in the description in case you didn't catch it. Thank you so much for listening to the end of our sixth episode, and I will see you with a new guest next week. Until then, goodbye, world.